Hi, everyone, and welcome to Behind the Numbers. I'm Dave Bookbinder, and welcome back to the show where we dig deeper to understand what really matters most in business. Today, we're going to be talking with Mary Lou Martin, who's the president and CEO of the Job Joy Group, and also the author of The Big Quit Survival Guide, Tools and Tactics to Attract the Best, Retain Top Performers, and Nail the Talent War. Mary Lou, welcome to Behind the Numbers. Thank you, Dave. Very much appreciate the opportunity to be here. That's a pleasure. So are we still in a talent war? Fascinating question. And I'll say in a nutshell, the great resignation as we've lived through for the past couple of years has morphed into the great transformation. So your short answer to that question is yes. <laughs> Even though we're seeing the quit rate that we've been up against for the last few years, it's actually calming down. It is stabilizing. Uh, the latest jobs report showed a 5% decrease compared to this time last year, which means fewer people are actually quitting. However, it doesn't mean just because an employee is physically present that they're engaged and they're going to be a top performer we want to keep. Those folks are out there, and yes, the war for that talent is as prevalent as ever. Yeah, I've been in the business world a while now, and uh, it seems like the war for talent is always uh, present. Like you said, finding and getting the best is always the challenge. But before we take a deeper dive into that topic, why don't you tell the audience a little bit about your background and what inspired you to write this book? Yes, my background has been working in leadership with people in some sort of a form almost my entire life. I grew up in Southern California. I went to college for organizational leadership. Uh, was a teacher early on, uh, leading a group of teachers, and then moved into the corporate setting. And then eventually on my own, where I've worked with uh, just hundreds of organizations of all sizes. And what I find most fascinating in the work that I've done and the impetus to write this book is that regardless of any label we identify wherever we are in the business setting, we are all people first. And the book came as a result of really focusing on what the pandemic brought to the workplace. We have been under probably the most major, if not the most major paradigm shift when it comes to the workplace today. And that's because of the impact on the people part of all of it. So my life work has been understanding the people dynamic, uh, working with leaders, no matter what size of an organization they're leading, because the people are always going to be front and center. And uh, I have just enjoyed being able to live in multiple places in the country. I currently live in Wyoming. Um, we had record-breaking snow, I think I brought with us when we did move, <laughs> but it's beautiful. And we are excited to really be a part of so many organizations worldwide that uh, because people are people, we all have common issues we're trying to work together to solve. So that was the genesis of my group. The Job Joy Group is just what it says. It's talking about helping people thrive, enjoy the work they're doing, and helping employers with the keys of what it will take to keep those people in that thriving position. Yep. Awesome. Thank you for sharing that. And before we get deeper into this, you mentioned a paradigm shift in your, your most recent remarks here. And I want to get clear on what you're referring to when you talk about the paradigm shift in, in the workplace. Is it the work from home, remote work? Uh, what, what are you calling the paradigm shift? Yes, indeed. First of all, the biggest paradigm shift has taken place in the terms of what I'll call command and control as what has been 
the norm for decades and decades, from the time the assembly line and the manufacturing lines were born. Command and control has been what we have been used to. What I mean by that is the leader, the boss, the supervisor, our manager, whoever was in place, pretty much had the say and the be all to how employees would perform or not, how they would show up or not. And there was very little negotiation or question on what would be working best for both parties in order for people to meet their goals. That has shifted and it slowly has shifted with the onset of unions and such and all of that. But now we come forward to what literally was ripped out from under us. And that was all of a sudden, number one, life was very fragile that all of us lived through. And it doesn't take much more than just the essence of my goodness, or what just happened as we're still recovering from so much of what we went through. Life is fragile. I also don't want to put up anymore with this command and control. I want a voice because I want to matter. And that's this shift that's taken place. And what we saw even, golly, six months to a year ago, it was very much employee-centric. It had moved from employer-centric to employee-centric. And what we're seeing now is a leveling of that with the recession looming or the economic uh, uncertainty, we're seeing a little bit more of that coming back to normal. It is stabilizing, but people are coming back with an attitude of, I will use work to support my life. I'm not gonna make work my entire life as perhaps was seen in so many other decades prior. To what we just experienced. So that's the paradigm shift. And leaders either embrace that right now, they're understanding that the companies that are succeeding and thriving and attracting and keeping that top talent, they're getting that. They're getting the people dynamic. Those that are struggling are ignoring it and saying it's going to be command and control, more of, more or less, but it's going to be our way and they're struggling in attracting and keeping that talent. So that's what I'm seeing is those paradigm shifts that we're dealing with now. Gotcha. Can you share with the audience a little bit about the, the extensive research that you did in compiling the book? Yes, my doctoral work was really centered around what it takes for an organization of any size to keep a top performer. And as I thought that through, I thought, well, what are the most common denominators? And so I started with, we're all human beings first. And that was sort of a new approach <laughs> when you were looking into employee-employer relationships. There's a lot of body of work out there in leadership. But I wanted to look at, we can't disregard the fact a human being is working with a human being. So what is it, and that was what my work took me to, I researched over 3,000 different top performing employees and looked at what were the things those employees had in common and what was it their employers were doing that created this great environment where both parties were flourishing. 
And I came out primarily with what I call the three R's. And I'm sure we may get into that a little bit later, but it was really a balance of human needs that became the sweet spot for what we tapped into that will make the difference if someone will stay or leave. When I say stay, I don't even just mean a physical presence on a org chart. I mean a employee who's invested, an employee who is um, feeling purposeful and is getting those needs met and excited about being able to do that work. Yeah, and, and in your book, I think you mentioned that engaged employees are built one at a time. And yes. I, I know you've emphasized that we're all human beings and we're all people and people are individuals. And you know that resonates with me. Uh, but explain to the audience what you mean by that engaged employees are built one at a time. Yes, absolutely. And you hit something very key there, Dave. For years, we have been trying to solve an individual issue with an organizational-wide solution. We think if we put certain practices into place, and you can imagine everything we've done, even trying to bring employees back to the workplace, I chuckle because it's, again, the free food or the, the ping pong. <laughs> it's never going to work. This is an individual issue for each employee in terms of what they're desiring that has to be balanced within their own connection with that employer. And so as I, as I look at the money and the wasted energy of trying to shape an organization so that the employee will fit, rather than getting on the level of every employee and figuring out now in the servant leadership vein, what does every single person need? And that may be a great entree if you'd like at this point to talk about those three R's because that is the crux of having to work with individual people. Yeah, why don't you do that? Absolutely. So when you first join an organization, all of us can relate to this. When we first sign up and we take on a new job, I call the three R's uh, kind of sitting on a bucket, if you will, or in a bucket like a teeter-totter. So that first R that comes at us when we take on a new role are the requirements. What do I have to do to succeed at this job? Now, there can be direct requirements, and I can get those off of reading my job description. Those are pretty straightforward. I get that I'm going to be making sales calls, or I get that I'm going to be answering phones, or I'm going to be traveling. I, I can understand all of that, and, and we get that. We get what's on paper, and those requirements really start to solidify at about the six-week level, depending on the complexity of the job. But there's also in that bucket of requirements, what I call indirect or more personal. And those could be things like, oh, now I'm gonna to have to make an hour commute uh, to an office. Now I'm not gonna be able to go to my kid's soccer game on Thursdays because that happens to be the weekly team meeting and I have to be at that. So there's all these trade-offs and we end up with this list of requirements, right? So that's on one side of that scale. The second R that immediately comes into view that causes us to determine I'm going to stay or I'm going to leave are those rewards. Now, what I mean about the rewards, those are the tangibles, the things I'm actually getting physically from the job I can put in my pocket. Example, my paycheck, 
Maybe there's a bonus uh, commission structure. Maybe I have perks, a company car. I have a benefits package. I have a certification and a great training I'm going to be able to accomplish. Whatever those things I can physically put in my pocket and take away are my uh, rewards. Now, already, I'm starting to balance my sense about wanting to stay at this job. If those rewards are at least matching the requirements, so far, so good. But what my research showed, because we're human beings first, the third R comes into view, and that's the respect. And that's what blew up larger than life for all of us in the pandemic. People were sensing, am I valued here? Am I treated with respect? Do I have autonomy? Am I showing up in a uh, comforting, emotionally safe um, culture where I can thrive and mentally feel really good here? And those are all very, very easily addressed components. The problem is we don't recognize what's really going on with that individual number one. And number two, and the reason for the book, it's not good enough right now just to tell leaders, oh, go out and build a culture of trust or go out and be more authentic and do that. Okay, how? <laughs> That's too out there. We, we get it. The, the body of research, again, for leaders is overflowing with the what. You know, begin with the why or begin with this or start with that. And there's so much telling, but no one is showing us how. And what I love about what I was able to contribute, it's a recipe book. It's filled with checklists and it's filled with scripts. And how do I even understand how to have a conversation about these three R's? with this employee. So bottom line in that approach, it forces me with the three R's connecting now with each person. And this is the last note I want to comment on the three R's because it's very critical. We have to have every employee identify how they define a reward or a respect or even a requirement. And again, we can't solve this with an organizational approach. It has to be per person. Example, I will go back to that requirement of I have to drive an hour to get to an office site now that I'm required to go in either five days a week, two days a week, whatever it is, it doesn't matter. For some people, that is not a requirement that's negative. They're thinking, I love that hour commute. I can listen to a whole podcast. I can, you know, unwind. I love that commute. For others, no way. There's not any way that's going to appeal. Even the word respect. We have to have the conversation with each employee. What does that look like? Example, let's say you're reporting to me day one as a new employee, and I'm going to have a conversation with you about these three R's, and I'm going to say, Dave, let's define respect. Apart, naturally, from being civil with each other, what, in addition, can I do that would demonstrate respect to you as we work together? And I might have some employee, a new one, say, well, Mary Lou, I'm kind of new to the industry, and, you know, I'm not sure of my footing, and this is a little bit different for me. For me to feel so respected would be to be to be ensured I've got maybe 
five minutes a day, I could just check in with you, just a phone call, just a text. If I have a question, I know you're there. I may not need you. That's okay. That would show me tremendous respect because I left my last job because I never heard from my boss. I tried to get help and I only heard when I was doing something wrong. So I really found that very disrespectful. Now, my danger is if I'm thinking, oh, that's respect for my employees. And yet I have another employee who says, well, Mary Lou, respect for me would be give me my marching orders, show me where I need to go, give me the goals, and then back off and let me fly. You see, unless I know that up front, I can totally miss the mark on how I'm working and dealing with every individual person. Mary Lou, I I hate to interrupt you. The power of knowing the people. Versus just throwing an organizational solution that we hope is a one-size-fits-all. Hate hate to interrupt you, but we are way late on a commercial break. So sit tight. Don't go anywhere. You watching and listening, we'll be right back on Behind the Numbers after this quick break. Hi, my name is Janice Kovach, mayor for the town of Clinton and new host of My Town. Do you ever wonder how something takes place in your town? Do you have questions about how to find out what's happening? Questions about the budget? We've got the answers for you. I'm going to be talking to government officials and elected officials, getting those questions answered. Catch us every Tuesday and Friday at 1.30 on RVN Television. Welcome. I'm Barry Lefkowitz. I'm your host on New Perspectives on RVN-TV. I come to you each week with issues and topics that you will generally find in the news. And if you're looking to be able to get caught up and know what's going on, then New Perspectives is the show for you on RVN-TV. Look forward to having you. Have you heard? Join me, Heather Darling, weekly for a different spin on politics, business, law, and other key issues you will not want to miss right here on RVN-TV. And welcome back to Behind the Numbers. I'm Dave Bookbinder, and today my guest is Mary Lou Martin, who's the president and founder of the Job Joy Group and author of the book, The Big Quit Survival Guide. Uh, Mary Lou, we, we ran a little late on that first segment. I didn't get a chance to have you tell the audience how they can connect with you if they want to learn more about you, work with you, and where they can get the book. Yes, absolutely. The easiest way is to simply go to LinkedIn, Mary Lou Martin. You can definitely connect there. The jobsjoygroup.com is my website, and that's easily accessible as well. I would also invite, uh, we have a tab on that website that is a free uh, download. You don't even have to enter a lot of any any information, really, but I want to get the the kit of the all the tools I was talking about earlier in the hands of people, and they can download that directly on the website as well. That's awesome. Thank you. And we we wrapped up that first segment by exploring the three R, the requirements, the rewards, and respect. And the respect piece really resonates, right? Because that's a lot of what folks describe as being valued, being appreciated, being treated like a human being. And like you said, it's the R word, it's the respect. And we were talking in the context of building engagement one employee at a time, which Mm -hmm. sounds daunting. 
But how do we as leaders recognize when somebody is starting to pull back and disengage or quiet quit or whatever the sexy term yeah. is these days? Yeah, that's, that's absolutely the, the quiet quitting is the term. What's interesting is to, number one, be very vigilant about knowing your people. We must start there. We can't just bring someone on board, welcome them to the team, and then pretty much hands off, let them fly. Uh, the individual needs everything that we need as people to feel welcomed and cared for and all of those things. So number one, know your people. Now, what I mean by that is... Everyone has a persona and a personality and traits that they're going to bring to this world. And we want to honor what those are. And the first indicator of someone pulling back and quiet quitting or physically quitting is a change in any of that dynamic that you see. So, for example, if someone has been the one who's always speaking up in the team meeting or on Zoom or whatever, and they're always offering um, proactive solutions, and all of a sudden you see a change in that, they're more quiet, they're more in the background, they're more um, just laid back that should be a red flag. So if we don't know our people, we can't really look, again, personalizing those red flags. If someone is all of a sudden more talkative, this person has been pretty much in the background and all of a sudden they're just coming out with some risk-taking behavior and showing up and having a voice, and that's great. <laughs> we want to make sure having a three-hour conversation that the right things are in alignment, and it's not just because got another offer, I'm good to go, and I'm just going to you know say what I say because it doesn't matter now. I'm almost out of here. So those are a couple of other things to be aware of. I would say also a third thing, in addition to uh, those two examples, we want to watch for even body language. We say so much with our language by what we do in mannerisms that people can observe. And that can be on Zoom or virtual, or it can be on Teams, or it's physically present as well. Someone can be saying something, and yet you look at the face, you look at the body language, uh, you look at the eye roll, you look at anything that you're observing. If it's different from what that person did and demonstrated the first few months they were on board, I would explore that and be sensitive and be aware of it. So those were probably three most important takeaways to watch for. Gotcha. My producers just whispered into my ear that we are down to the short strokes here. We only have a few minutes to go. We really did run Got over in the, in the first segment. But uh, I want to give you the last word here in, in, say, two minutes or so, Mary Lou, about what leaders should be thinking about and doing better to either build engagement, um, retain people, attract people. Your choice. What should leaders be doing? What are the, what are the high points? Yes, the high points are this. Employee retention is no longer an afterthought that will take care of itself. Great leaders have wonderful marketing plans. They have financial strategies. They have mission statements. They have all these things in place. What I am asking leaders to do now is to elevate working with people in order for retention to be the outcome in the same way with the same energy and tools that they would put to any one of their business strategies. It can't be just a bolt-on. 
It can't be something that we will just assume takes care of itself, because if we do that correctly, then the culture we desire will start to manifest itself. The talent that we want to keep will start to stay more with us. And lastly, and most importantly, the engagement level of every individual will be what we all are trying to desire and strive for. Yeah, and if I can just continue that, if you don't mind, because if, if folks watching and listening, if this is the first time you're, you're experiencing Behind the Numbers, I've written a couple of books about the value that people contribute to the value of business enterprise, and I've done my own research and so forth, which is why I've been telling Mary Lou here that the message really resonates with me. And just to continue on your point, when you build that culture of engaged employees, you increase productivity, you increase profitability, which of course all of the things equal in, will increase the value of your business. So you can do well by doing good. Indeed. And the byline of my company is people first, employees second. That's a great way to wrap the show. Mary Lowe, thank you so much for joining us today on Behind the Numbers. Really appreciate you being with us. Thank you, Dave. Truly my pleasure. We've been talking today with Mary Lou Martin, who again is the president of the Job Joy Group and the author of the Big Quit Survival Guide. Definitely check that out. It's a great read. You'll learn a lot. And like she said, it's a recipe book for actions for building an engaged workforce. And I want to thank uh, my producers who are in the back who helped keep this show running so smoothly. Thanking you, the audience. We can't do the show without you. Thanks again for tuning in. Please hit that subscribe button. Stay in touch with all that we're up to. We usually drop an episode every week. And again, I'm Dave Bookbinder, and I'm the one that my clients turn to and they want to know what their most important assets are worth. So you can always reach me on LinkedIn. I'm happy to have a conversation. That is it. That's a wrap, folks. We'll see you next time on Behind the Numbers. Take care.